Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey Pediocast. With your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my colleague from EP Rinkside. It's my good buddy, Ryan Lambert. Ryan, what's going Hello. on? Hello. I'm chilling, man. Second podcast record today. You know how it is. Look at that on the grind. Um, and also joining us to make this a three-person podcast is my good friend, longtime friend, been on the show a bunch of times. Uh, most recently, my puppy playdate pal, uh, Thomas Drenz. Thomas, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. And I'm excited we have Lambert here too, because he can open sort of like the Boston chapter of the Mount Pleasant uh, Puppy Appreciation and and Hockey Stats Nerd Society. Um, you know, he he's a good fit. He's a good fit for the aesthetic that we're ascribing to of late, which is basically just watching our puppies chew each other's faces while we debate like really esoteric hockey topics. So uh, glad to be doing this live and glad to be doing it with Lambert. That's basically the extent of my social interactions these days is like meeting up with you at a socially safe, socially safe distance and, uh, and just watching our puppies play and just looking at them like they're little kids at the playground and being like, wow, they're growing up so fast. Um, so this is the plan for today's show. I got you guys here. We're going to do a trade deadline preview. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully by the time people listen, it won't be too dated, but it seems like things are pretty quiet on the trade front. So uh, I think we should be okay there this year. Um, so the plan is we're going to do trades. We'd like to see. I gave you both homework. We're going to pitch them to each other. It's not necessarily trades we will see because that's usually boring. It's usually like Luke Lindenning for a third round pick or something like that. And I don't think anyone wants to hear about that for an hour other than Ken Holland, obviously. Um, but <laughs> we are going to try to keep it realistic and plausible. So players that are generally available on trade boards or at least reportedly, uh, and then kind of just passes like the logic test of, yeah, can this financially work, make sense, all that stuff. But we're not going to get too bogged down with the returns. We're going to mostly focus on the players going to the teams. And so, um, I don't know, I guess I'll, let's open it up with this since it is a bit of a trade deadline preview. How, how are you both feeling about this actual deadline in terms of 
the activity level? Do you think that it's going to be true that just because of all the financial complications and obstacles that it's going to be more quiet than ever before? Or sort of just like, what's the what's the temperature right now? How should fans be feeling heading into this trade deadline? Yeah, it feels like it's going to be a dud, right? Yes. For like, sure. No, like, no, nobody wants to take on money. Um, and, and nobody wants to... Uh, have to cross a border and no, you know, the, like there's so many hoops you have to jump through. And there's also like six teams that legitimately feel like they could actually do anything of note in the playoffs. So the number of teams that will actually be buying and like willing to meet all those other criteria, it's going to be so, so small. It's going to be like, the incentives to buy if you're a fringe contender are nil, right? Like what's yes. the advantage of getting your owner six playoff dates? Like what you really need to drive activity and prices at the deadline are like the team that's sixth best in their conference. That's like, but maybe we can win around our goalie's hot. Like now's our time, you know, or like a team that loses a player to injury like the Canucks last year. And it's just like hanging on for a playoff spot. And it's just like, we'll overpay for a top six winger. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, that's just not going to happen this year. Like there's no business case you can make to go all in unless you're, you know, and I'd put the list at five. Like for me, it's Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, who, you know, they're not going to add spend um, Vegas, Colorado, maybe, maybe there's a few other teams that could get into the mix like Minnesota. But I, I mean, the list of buyers is low. That's going to depress prices. There's no cap space in the system. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at, I think it's 18 teams within a million dollars of the upper limit. Uh, like it's just grim in terms of those sort of semantics. So everything has to be money in, money out. Uh, really complicated. I still think we see five to 10 moves. <laughs> All of that said, yeah. I still think yeah. we'll see somewhere in the range of five to 10 moves, which would essentially double the amount of activity we've seen over the last 85 days since training camp opened. But, you know, I do expect a quiet deadline. And, you know, I'm really curious to see, like one thing I'm really curious to see is which teams hold tight to their 2021 picks and, and push picks that they're trading into 2022 and which teams sort of prefer the opposite, because I'm sensing a pretty significant split in how those picks are valued around the industry. Like there's teams that see 2021 is all opportunity. And there's teams that see 2021, the draft anyway, as like all downside. And I'm just really curious to see how many 2022 picks we see. Like I think teams that really sort of believe in in mining opportunity like that like i, I think teams like you know your your torontos are, are really going to try and trade 2022 picks instead just sort of seeing it as an undervalued market or, or anyway a chaotic market where there could be higher upside than normal in the mid round so that's sort of one of the weird subplots that i'm tracking is like a bona fide hockey nerd well, the Leafs are going to keep their 2021 first so that at the draft, they can trade it down for a 2021 second and another third, and they can trade that second <laughs> right. down for a third and a fourth and a sixth. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is just recency bias, if you guys feel the same way, but um, it feels like this year more so than others, just because of the alignment of the schedule where you're just playing the same teams over and over again, it feels like the gap between the top teams that really are contenders and should be buying and the others is more noticeable than ever before. Like mm -hmm. when you were listing off those teams, I, I really do feel like there's probably 24 to 25 teams that either should be full out sellers or standing pad and can't justify uh, acquiring rental players and giving future assets for it. Because if you're battling for the fourth seed in either the West or the central, like how appealing is just being fed to 
the Avalanche or the or the Tampa Bay Lightning. It doesn't seem like the incentive is there. Acknowledging that the NHL playoffs are stupid, and if you get in, you could conceivably win any series you're in. So, but but it just I don't know. It just feels like this year, out of all the years, it just doesn't make sense for a fringe sort of fourth fifth team in their division to even be trying to go for. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you look at the standings, and like I think it's two divisions. Um, the, the central and the West where it's like, even the fourth place team has a negative goal difference. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, what are we doing? Like, we should just, the, whoever finishes first should get a buy. Um, because like one of Chicago, Nashville, Columbus and, uh, Dallas, Dallas. Dallas. yeah, the, a game below 500. <laughs> we have to act like they're a playoff team. <laughs> they but, might be though. Right. Like that's the best team well, of yeah, the four yeah. you listed. They are, but they have so like they, I, I keep saying it, but they seem like ideologically bound to we can never be one or one game above or below 500. Like <laughs> we have to be making sure that if we that we never have a winning streak of more than two games or a losing <laughs> streak of more than two. And so, like, yeah, I mean, you know, the, o- the only one that feels like it's even remotely up in the air is is the East. And that's just because the four teams that are already definitely in the playoffs all kind of stink a little bit. And so they can't figure out like, Oh, you know, we're the Islanders. We're, we're the best team in the division. And then uh, they give up eight goals and they're like, Oh, maybe not. And then the next game they score seven and they're like, we're back. We, we, we can't, we can't figure it out. Say the is Islanders. They, we're going to talk about the Islanders a lot coming up. Here. Okay. Is the West the best division in hockey? Like, how sad is that? They are. The answer is yes. Well, just because they have like two of the they best have five. No, teams they have. They have. But they also have the fewest soft teams. Like Anaheim's the only really bad team in that division, and even yeah. they at least work hard and have John Gibson who can get hot on any given night. You know, like the. I mean, I had this realization the other day, but I was looking over it and I was like, you know, the West is not good. And yet I think they have like three teams that would for sure be doing better than Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa in the North, right? Like they have, they have like five teams that I'm pretty sure are playoff teams in the North. So yeah, yeah LA is interesting, right? Yeah. You know, I like, so. like they're not good and I don't, and no, coming into the year, none of us expected them to be, but they were really good to start the year. And now they've been dropping off and it's like, oh, I guess this kind of just like, feels like them getting where we always thought they were going to be, but how they got there is maybe more interesting than anything else. The, the blues have like seven goals in their past six games or something. And their coach just openly flamed their entire team to the press. So uh, it's not great. I, I, I think it, the argument is there for the West, but I certainly think beyond those two teams, like it's, I'm, I don't have faith in any of them. Um, all right, let's, let's get into it. Let's try to manifest some trades and, and put them out into the universe because I think all three of us have no faith that the NHL GMs, even in an ideal world, they make this look like the most difficult task in the world coming up with creative trades. And I think this year, especially, it's going to be uh, really tough, but let's get into it. Um, Drance, since I know that you've got some spicy ones, I'll, uh, I'll give the floor to you here first. You can lead us off, tee us up with your first trade proposal. Give us like your third most yeah. interesting. Yeah, one. not the spiciest. We're not ready yet. We got to oh, work our well, way into it. Yeah, I've I've got one that's a really natural segue. Actually, I've got two that are natural segues from what you talked about with the Blues coach with Barube flaming his entire team. And so I've got two iterations of a Mike Hoffman trade, and and I'll pitch you on them both uh, sequentially just to start us off. So Mike Hoffman is 
you know, someone I worked with, first of all, and, and I think he's a, a good guy, like much better than his reputation indicates. Look and at PR Drance. I also want to tell you guys a story about, about Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman, the year I worked with him in Florida, scored 35 goals. And he had, with the equipment trainers, like a system of dashes. And these dashes, so he has his curve, and then he has dashes on his curve, which corresponded to like launch angle or the shape of the bottom of the stick for how much of it would be on the ice. And he worked through and tweaked it to the point that he had 11 different dashes over the course of the season and finally figured out like one for the power play against a left-handed goalie, one for the power play against a right-handed goalie, one for even strength. Like he's just like a savant. He's an absolute That's machine crazy. at that right flank one, three, one. And also if you graph high volume perimeter shooters and how often they hit the net, it's like Mike Hoffman in the top right on an Island. And then everyone else like this guy is a machine on the power play. However, he's a pure DH. Like he is a yeah. pure DH. Yes. He's, he's one of the NHL's best power play players at that right flank, but you have to play him at that right flank to get value out of him. And at five on five, you want him on your third or fourth line at this point in his career. So the Minnesota wild have a 12% power play conversion rate. I love this already. Yeah, they have, go. they have Zuccarello and Kevin Fiala. Kevin Fiala would be better anyway. If you moved him to the bumper running that right side flank, this is the team that makes sense for Mike Hoffman. Now, I don't know that Garen's going to do it because, you know, he's in that new GM, like clean out the culture sort of mode. But Mike Hoffman from the St. Louis Blues for a 2022 second round pick with 50% retained, which is cap compliant once the Minnesota Wild terminate the emergency conditions on the loan for Chad Rao or, or Johnson. Um, this is a trade that, like, you cannot tell me you cannot tell me that Bill Guerin needs to overlook his, um, you know, any cultural reservations he has for a guy who's actually a good guy anyway, um, and acquire Mike Hoffman. That power play would instantly become at least league average. And right now they're the worst among any of the playoff bound teams. So I've got three instant thoughts. One, your converse, your, your, your anecdote about Hoffman's blade and, and his curves. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of him just having conversations about it with Ryan O'Reilly in the blues dressing room and Ryan O'Reilly <laughs> just being like, what are you doing? I'm just using the most <laughs> outrageously <laughs> simple one for every single game state. Uh, two, I was thinking that those two teams are competing for the same playoff spots. They want to make that trade. But then I realized that the blues have fallen 10 points back of the wild. So, uh, that's probably not an issue in that regard. And I, I think stylistically it makes sense. I love the idea of Kirill Kaprizov passing it to Mike Hoffman. It just, I, I can't, I don't know how many more times I can watch him pass it to Victor Ask and Victor Ask just do absolutely nothing right. with it. It's driving yeah. me absolutely insane. And so just as a fan, I'd love to see it make sense. I can tell you've done the homework and checked out the, uh, the cap implications of it as well. As soon as you're <laughs> citing uh, Rao's contract. So yeah, uh, the fact that you know it that much is upsetting. <laughs> this is some Hermione Granger shit not to be like too millennial about it but like yeah for sure Bill Garrett right now is like opening up his own team's cap friendly page being like what? oh shit All right. I, guess, I, I guess that's right yeah. yeah let's call it in uh so you like that one as well Ryan yeah I like that um I I do wonder like you know I, I feel like they're trying to push him out the door in St. Louis right they're like we tried it it didn't work uh, he he was supposed to be the Tarasenko insurance, and well, I mean, you see how that went. So, uh, yeah, get lost. We, we don't need you. We'll take the second round pick. Um, I, I that works for me. Yeah, he he needs to be used. Like 
designated hitter is is generous to Mike Hoffman at this point. I, I think like it, it's it's tough to watch him at five on five, and and so for a team like the Wild, who are a good five on five team and just really need that power play uh, scoring, makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I he's like the trans- guy. He's not a DH. He's the guy you bring in to steal a base when you're down two <laughs> in the ninth inning. Like you need you need you need him moving from first to second in a damn hurry. Well, that's it. And I think if you go to evolvinghockey.com and go to like the GAR metric, you'll see that he's like one of the most valuable PP players in the NHL uh, over the past two years and like one of the worst five on five, right? Like the split is so Mm -hmm. dramatic. All right, I've got another Mike Hoffman uh, deal for you. Um, This is a three-team trade. This is a three-team trade that addresses some significant issues for two contenders and gets Hoffman off the Blues books. So from Vegas... Robin Leonard, Vancouver's 2022 third round pick. Okay. From St. Louis, Mike Hoffman at 50% retained. From Carolina, Joey Keane and Peter Morazic. To Carolina, Robin Leonard. To Vegas, Peter Morazic, Mike Hoffman and a $2 million, uh, at a $2 million cap hit. And to St. Louis, a 2022 third round pick and Joey Keane. Wow. <laughs> that's something it's it's interesting the problem is that carolina adds money right like i don't think carolina is going to add money that's not really their mo but like that team in front of leonard i mean now you're cooking with oil right like now tampa bay is a little more nervous um how many teams does robin leonard have to play for do you think before the end of his career like he's just he's just doing the the tour he's he's hitting every spot he can well, and I think Vegas was com- like ready to commit to him, and now Mark Andre Fleury's like for sure going to win the business. So no, you know, it, it, no, no, you don't think no, so? Gonna, no. I was just saying he's he's not going to have enough games played at the end of the year to compete with. Well, first of all, Vasilevsky's running away with it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, he's going to be a finalist. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think, uh, and we've seen it. Fleury's come back down to earth a little bit lately. Leonard, since he's come back, has been really good. I still think Leonard is a superior goalie. And I think yeah. by the time we come to the playoffs, he's going to be, I think it was really telling that last year they went out and identified it and traded for him and then just gave him all of the important starts, despite their fan base really wanting Flurry to play those games. And I don't fault them for it. I actually thought Carolina was an interesting team to target him at last year's traded line before Vegas got him. I'm just not sure that Vegas is going to move on from him because I do still think that they believe he's their best goalie and rightfully so. So, so, so then sub in Mark Andre Fleury at fifty percent retained, which they were willing to do in the summer, and he Carolina- had an alternative ready to go. This is amazing. This is podcasting, folks. <laughs> but but at, Flurry at fifty percent retained actually probably makes more sense for Carolina if you think saves that money it, and it's yeah. only a rental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, um, their commitment—they're not actually adding cash because that would be cap neutral with uh, Peter Morazic's three-two. So, um, so I mean, that even maybe makes more sense if they do if they did it that way. And and Vegas's power play could use some work, right? They're at seventeen percent. Um, they're all over the place. Like they're swapping out Theodore and Pietrangelo on that top pair. They haven't figured out what makes sense. They've had uh, Max Pacioretty both on his downhill side and his one-timer side at the flanks. They've been bumping Marcia so between, you know, a high volume shooting spot at the left circle and at the bumper spot. And, you know, you put in Mike Hoffman on the um, right circle, you put Pietrangelo at the point, you've got a righty passing to a lefty. Like now you're talking, now you're cooking with oil. And you just have Mark Stone creating havoc at the net front. Like all of a sudden, 
you get Mike Hoffman, you play him on that fourth line. Like literally your fourth line becomes something like Nosik, Reeves, and Hoffman. <laughs> you know, it's just like an, two guys who are who don't hurt you and a guy who is going to be a lethal against the grain attacker. Like also quietly, Vegas is in trouble, right? Like we we kind of know this. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not. They're kind of a paper tiger in that West. I, I don't know that they've spent super wisely. Like they need a shot in the arm somewhere in their bottom six, in my view. And uh, for me, it, this trade makes a ton of sense if they can get Hoffman um, while you know still bringing in a quality backup, and Carolina can upgrade their goaltending. So anyway, that's my that's my thinking there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that's a great idea, especially because. Vegas kind of suffers a little bit from like the Montreal Canadiens West symbol or, or uh, syndrome where it's like, yeah, Oh yeah. We, we generate X, XGs like crazy. Oh, do you convert up? Well, no, we don't want to, we don't want to get into all that, but we, we get a lot of them. And, uh, and you know, that that's what cost them against Vancouver. Last, I mean, a, a bunch of things came together for them last year uh, or against them, but you know, uh, that, that's the, that's the Vegas problem in a nutshell. And, uh, Mike Hoffman is a guy that turns XGs into G's in theory. Uh, St. Louis would say, no, he doesn't, but okay. I think, I think Vegas is a good team. I think they're in trouble against Colorado in a series. If both teams are fully healthy. I was trying to rack my brain around improving their team somehow. Cause I do think they need some more firepower, but kept bumping into trying to make the the cap machinations work because they're so up against it. They literally could only dress 10 forwards the other day. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if that necessarily represents enough of an upgrade to, to move the needle for me in that series. Um, but I like where your head's at, Tom. I like that you had a backup Mike Hoffman trade and then an immediate backup to your backup. <laughs> the, pivot. the pivot was incredible. Uh, huge pivot. <laughs> Loved it. Um, all right. Ryan, I'll let you go now. Give me one of your trades. Okay, this trade uh, involves 14 pro- No, um, it's uh, Johnny Gaudreau to Pittsburgh for Jason Zucker. Uh, and, like, you know, Calgary retains a bit of the money to fully even it out. Um, two, two reasons here. They, I, I think they would like a little more wing depth. Zucker is clearly not fully working out as uh, a lot of us probably expected. And I think it would piss off a lot of Philly people to see Johnny Gaudreau end up in Pittsburgh. And who doesn't like that? Um, So I have some stats for you because I was going to talk about Mangiapani later because I think someone needs to steal him from the flames. But since Daryl Sutter took over on March 11th, their leading skater, uh, leading forward skater at 515 is playing 1340. Their 10th forward is playing 1152. Uh, Brett Ritchie is their fourth leading five on five forward in ice time. Milan Lucic is fifth, both ahead of Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk. I can't see how this isn't working. Um, I still think, you know, Johnny had a really bad year last year. He's only two years removed from legitimate heart votes because he was fantastic that year when Calgary won a bunch of regular season games. And I, I think he's looked good this year, maybe not back to that level, but he certainly looks like he's still got stuff left in the tank. It's clearly doesn't work in terms of fit with their current situation. Um, I don't know though. I, I feel like if I was trading him, I would want something more than, than Jason Zucker in return. As well, much, yeah, I love I mean, Jason Zucker. I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, that's the, if you want to throw in picks or whatever, right. like I think, I, I think that's just, but like, just because those two guys make a decent amount of money um, against the cap and that sort of thing. Uh, 
those seem like the two most natural um, players you'd you'd swap one for one if you were doing that. And maybe I don't know, maybe Jason's like what Daryl Sutter wants. I don't know. Who can tell? I, I guess that's the point, right? Is who can tell what Daryl Sutter wants anymore? Yeah. But, well, then first off, the Flames should not be making roster decisions based on what Daryl Sutter wants. Uh, well, he's their coach for the next five years. Yeah. But was, the that, thing, was that the number? The thing is, um, like they really need to trade Sean Monahan while they still can. And I, it seems like there's not an appetite to do so because they still think he's good, I guess. But the fact that he's still young enough, still has term on his deal at a reasonable price. Like I, I think there's certainly a team out there in the league that probably thinks he's a top line center still. And it's been a while now since he's looked like that slash had shown any evidence that that is the case. So he's one of those players, but like, I'd even bother doing like Seth Jones or Sean Monahan trades uh, for this exercise because they're just like so out there for the current NHL landscape that there's just no chance of them happening. So yeah. I don't know. What but do Goudreau's got to get out of Calgary. That was that was my main thinking on. One. Yeah, it's it's sad. Got to get sad watching him there. Yeah. It sucks. I, I had an iteration. I had a Goudreau going to Buffalo in a package like that included a ton of stuff from Calgary and. Like Noah Hannafin, Bennett, and who equalized uh, the oh, and and Lindholm for Eichel and Jeff Skinner. <laughs> that was my like pie in the sky. I ditched it, but that's my pie because I don't think Jack Eichel arrives in Calgary and doesn't immediately request another trade. Yeah. But um, but the, I mean Calgary. I think the next GM that comes in is going to look at this and blow it up, right? Like I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, uh, at and this point, should. Yeah, and should. And so they need top-end talent. I mean, I could see them doing it, but I do think they'd need to get like a second and P.O. Joseph or a first back or something like that. Like they'd really need to be looking at this sure. as something that jumpstarts that rebuilding effort. And, you know, Zucker's almost like a guy you try and rehabilitate and then flip again. Um, but yeah, I mean, in that context, I could see it. And I'd love to see Goudreau play in Pittsburgh. Like that'd be awesome. He, he, he would be a great fit. Like he might be a great fit too to like increase the longevity on Evgeny Malkin, right? Like that's sort of the impact that he could have, or they could just plug him in on a third line and see if he can be like Phil Kessel 2.0, just like wrecking bottom six competition <laughs> in a support role. All right. I'm going to give you guys my first one. Okay. Um, so the Islanders need to fill the hole that's been left behind by Anders Lee's injury. They have, cap savings to do so now since he's on LTIR. I think the Islanders, it's one of the more interesting storylines to me this season because they've gone from this team that was overperforming their expectations for a while and leading us to sort of be skeptical of like how sustainable is this, how good are they actually to just now legitimately being a very good five on five team. Uh, two games ago, they dropped eight five on five goals on the division leading Washington Capitals. Last night, they piled up 23 five on five high danger attempts on them, including 15 in the third period of a tie game. Uh, they're just really good across the board defensively, but I think it would surprise some people to know that they're, I think fourth in the league in five on five scoring as well. Now their overall offense isn't as good because they struggle on the power play. And obviously, um, you know, most recently they've been using Matt Barton on their top unit power play and Leo Komarov playing on the top line wing with Matt Barzell and still getting it done. Uh, and I love when people tell me that Barry Trotz isn't the best coach in the NHL. Um, but so I think this is the type of team where I think they are legitimately good and they do important things really well. That division, as you alluded to earlier, Ryan, 
we kind of know what the four playoff teams are going to be this year. I don't think any of them necessarily scare you or preclude you from uh, thinking that you could win it if you're one of those four. And I think the Islanders have as good of a chance of anyone there, especially since what they do well seems to be very repeatable. And I could see that working in a series against any of those three other teams. And so I, I like the fit of Kyle Palmieri there. I was thinking of Taylor Hall. Uh, I was thinking of a couple other forwards, but I think Palmieri makes a lot of sense just because we've seen him succeed with puck carriers in the past. Uh, whether it was with Taylor Hall during his MVP season or whether it was Nico Hishier. Um, he's strong on the power play. He's been one of the most consistent goal scorers in the league over the past however many years before this down season, which seems to be fully shooting percentage driven. And so I just love the idea of plugging him in there on the power play on the receiving end of Barzal passes and going from there. It seems like the price is going to be pretty reasonable. I don't even know what to estimate, what kind of like draft pick or futures compensation is going to take. Uh, and whether Palmieri or Hall is even going to be more expensive at this point, but uh, it'll be Palmieri for sure, for yeah, sure. So it's going to be Palmieri, hundred yeah. percent. But it still it can't be, be. But it, it still be. can't be too excessive. I feel like at this point, especially oh, with his down season. I think it's. I think I think you'd be shocked by how low Taylor Hall's stock is around the league right now. Like uh, I, I, would, I, yeah, I would not be. Um, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's. You all, I mean, I didn't, I see somebody like last week being like, I, or maybe it was a little longer ago than that, but just saying something along the lines of like, yeah, maybe a second, maybe a second round pick for Taylor Hall. And it's like, I was like the MVP a couple of years ago. Wasn't yeah. I think, I think Kevin Adams scrambling, <laughs> like yeah. scrambling. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think Paul Mary will go for a lot more than Taylor Hall. Like, but I still don't think it's gonna be much. Cause if you look at, it, I think he's only got eight goals this year and it's because he's shooting like 9%, which is funny because he's historically been like just a 13% shooter every yeah. single season. Um, but if you're, if you're trading him to the Islanders, right. Yeah. The, the, don't, don't forget the Lou factor, right? Like Lou's going to get his guy. He's going to pay what he considers to be fair price. Cause that's how Lou does business. Right. And Palmieri is a guy who he like mined from Anaheim when he was in New Jersey, right? Like Palmieri is like a, an, a Lou original and yeah. never, never doubt a manager's ability to double down on one of their, you know, modestly good moves <laughs> and, and overpay. I, I actually have a Palmieri to the Islanders trade too. So I'll, I'll tell you the price I had. Give me the I details had, of it. I had Samuel Bolduke and Colorado's <laughs> 2021 second round pick. That's I I see sure. I think that's a very reasonable yeah offer for the Islanders to make and it's you know I think the Devils it's obviously hindsight and I think it's unfair because no one could have seen this coming last February but Kyle Palmieri with like a year left on his deal and potentially two playoff runs was floated out as a team like maybe the Islanders before they got Pajot or the Oilers were interested in. And I was saying, yeah, they should trade him now because it seems like it's going to go for a really high price. And they, I think, that wanted to keep him around for Jack Hughes and maybe potentially even keep him on board as as a trigger man for him. But it obviously hasn't worked out. And, and now settling for a second round pick is obviously not ideal, but it's better than just walk, letting him walk and losing him for nothing. So Can I tell a quick Lou Lamorella story? I've never Always. told this story on a podcast, but I, I want to quickly. Um, I don't remember exactly the reason, but he wanted a suite for a Panthers game. I like Panthers, Islanders. He wanted a suite for a Panthers game. And, you know, I know like Lou Lamorello, uh, the owner of the Panthers, Vinny Viola, had been a minority owner in the New, Jer uh, New Jersey Nets when they were like in under the same umbrella. So I know there's a relationship there. You know, it's it's hockey royalty. I'm going to take care of him. Right. So, you know, I, I set up like full press box services in the suite. 
And then I contact my counterpart with the Islanders and I ask, you know, does Lou want any catering in the suite? Right. Like, well, happy to do it gratis. It's hockey legend, Lou Lamorello, whatever he wants. And the order comes back and it was a gallon of boiling water, eight slices of lemon and a fruit plate. And I was just like, oh, this guy's going to live forever. Like this yeah. guy's for sure gonna. Yeah. I was expecting like snow crab. Like and that was that was that was him indulging. He was like, "This is a wild." Yeah. <laughs> like live it up, Lou. Usually, 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 I just have some celery, but you know what? Tonight, <laughs> let's go wild. <laughs> South Beach, baby. Anyway, I had to tell that story. It's a classic for me. Like that I just rocks. love that detail. Dudes rock. Um. All right, uh, Drance, it's your turn. Give us uh, give us another trade. Well, we've talked some Taylor Hall, so I've got some mm-hmm. Taylor Hall. I've got two Taylor Hall <laughs> iterations. One's a third three-way trade. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've, oh, got ta- I've got Taylor Hall to the Panthers for a 2022 second and Henrik Borgstrom. Mm-hmm. So a reclamation uh, project in Borgstrom. Borgstrom was like pretty good. Like he was excellent at the University of Denver and then yeah. had like 18 points in 50 games at the age of 22 in the NHL. And since then is like washed out. He's like barely even a really good player in Liga. Um, I have no idea what's going on there. There's some tough questions to be asked, but that's why like it's a high upside swing for an organization in the Sabres that need to take those types of, um, you know, swings at the moment. And the Panthers are like one of the very few teams that have, that are like playoff bound and have a ton of cap space. So I I like that fit. And then here's my, here's my three-way trade. Uh, from Colorado, Tyson Jost and Martin Tyson Jost, Martin Kaut, a 2021 third round pick and a 2022 third round pick. From Buffalo, Hall at 50% retained. From Detroit, Hall at 50% retained. Okay, so to Buffalo, for they they retain four million on Hall. They get Kaut, Tyson Jost, and a 2021 third. Detroit gets a 2022 third and they retain 2 million on hall mm-hmm. Colorado cap neutral. This works under their cap gets Taylor hall for 2 million. <laughs> but okay. So then, and then they're also giving up Jost, right? Two thirds Jost and, and Martin Kyle. Kyle. I don't know. Everyone keeps linking Taylor hall to the avalanche. I don't sense that they're that interested in him. Yeah, they might not be. Their but offer to him was $4 million or something this past summer? But that's like, I, I don't think they're interested in him if the conversation includes names like Connor Timmons, right? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, forget Alex Newhook, no chance. Yeah. Um, they have another good forward prospect, though, I, whose name just escapes me at the moment. But, like, those guys aren't going. Um, but, like, Martin Kaut, I don't think they'd value Tyson Jost a ton. Um, He's been good on that I, line with uh, with Nichushkin and Donskoy, I think. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah, he's a perfectly good player. Yeah. He's okay. I, I, yeah. I'm just—he's he, about to get lost in expansion anyway. Yeah. And True. like Taylor, Taylor Hall on your third line, like talk about nitrous. You know, like that's yeah. insane, especially in that uh, environment. Oh God, no one can skate with them already. And you add Taylor Hall in a depth role, like come on. Um, and then you do it in a in a way that actually works with your cap. You're you're giving up two thirds uh, a a C plus prospect in Cout, like your fourth best forward prospect, and um. And Tyson Jost, who you're going to, you know, expose an expansion anyway. Like, I mean, I just don't see the downside for Colorado. 
Uh, and I see Detroit making a couple moves like this. I wouldn't be surprised if Stevie, yeah, as a pass through, yeah, yeah. Stevie's going to open a laundromat and just launder cap hits for for mid round picks for the next week, yep. and it's going to be a beautiful thing to see. I was going to say, have you yeah. been watching any Red Wings broadcasts recently? But I, then I realized in my head, why would anyone have been doing that willingly, except for me, because I'm an absolute lunatic. But just watching these games and and just Steve Eiserman, there's just a 40 chance involved of getting the Wings broadcast to be running just highlight packages of Luke Lindenning winning faceoffs is <laughs> amazing. It's just like free marketing. It's like, yeah, what, yeah, what else I, are you guys going to talk about? I remember uh, we, when we were doing Puck Soup a week or two ago, um, Greg was like, oh, everybody's going wild for Glendening. And I was like, what? He's like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're pumping his tires big time. Like everybody wants to trade for this guy because he can win a face off. And I'm like, but he's bad at literally everything else. And Greg was like, people don't care. People don't care about that. They only care about face off. Um, I, I have been rooting for Taylor Hall to Colorado um, since the offseason, I, I, I just want to see it happen. I want to, I want to see him uh, be again, just put in a position to succeed. I, I, you know, people are saying, Oh, what if he goes to St. Louis and I don't want to see Taylor Hall miss the playoffs again. I yep. want to see him on not just like a pretty good playoff bound team. I want to see him on a juggernaut because I think like him on Colorado, him on Tampa would be just be like, Come on, we're just having fun out here, boys. But <laughs> I, I, when I wrote down my Hall trade, I said Hall to Toronto. Love it. Uh, for for three reasons, they're weirdly shallow on the left wing. Like you, you don't think of them as having any depth issues up front, but their left wing is like, eh, it's okay. Uh, well, two Galchenyuk, right? Galchenyuk. That's all you need I, to know. Well, I, second thing I wrote down, if they can fix Galchenyuk, they can fix anyone. <laughs> right? Like if they can, uh, if they can put like, if the, if the team and the organization is smart enough to put. Champions aren't born, they're made. And the secret to make your business reign supreme, Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash bluewire. Alex freaking Galchenyuk in a position to succeed. Taylor Hall is going to have 15 goals down the stretch. Like just the way, the way things go, right? And then the third thing that I wrote down was, what if the cup final uh, had nothing but five, four games? Wouldn't that rock? Yeah, I'm in. 
So let's go. Let's file it. Let's send it into the league right now. I, uh, I, I Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall going to Toronto and playing with Marner and um, Matthews. Like, who doesn't want to watch that? Okay. Yeah. I, I have more. I have more Hall thoughts, but we need to take a break here to hear from a sponsor, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll do plenty more. This is a this is a radio tease right here. We'll be do plenty of more uh, Taylor Hall stuff on the other end. All right, uh, back after the break. So I also had Taylor Hall to the Leafs, and now we're talking. Here's the thing. So he's having a hor- he's having a horrible season by the boxcar stats. He's having horrible luck. He's got two goals and 19 points in 37 games. He's shooting 2.3 percent. Uh, I've seen expected goal measures that have him anywhere between seven and 10 goals below expectation based on his shots. Just hasn't been able to escape the year from hell in Buffalo, unlike any, pretty much every one of his teammates. Um, and it kind of feeds into this narrative of he's not an impactful winning player. And I, there's takes out there that it's like, I wouldn't even be interested in adding Taylor Hall to my team. Uh, and I just don't get it. Like, I think if you're expecting the league MVP point per game production, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. But if you just strip away the numbers and just the logic of like how shooting percentage regression works and stuff, and you just literally watch Taylor Hall play hockey, which I doubt any of these people with these takes have over the past couple of years on the Sabres and on the Coyotes and on a rebuilding Devils team. I actually have watched the tape and I'm I'm going to give you a watch the tape argument, right? I watched the games argument right now because it's just so bizarre to me that you would think like he is the ultimate role player. I think that's where he's at his best when he's forechecking, when he's retrieving the puck, when he's just like being tenacious and annoying. And those are usually the types of grinders and, and role players that people love and glorify. And just because he's Taylor Hall and he's been in some bad situations and he won that league MVP a couple of years ago, it people can't reconcile that those two things are true at the same time. And I think, I think going to the Leafs here, I actually think playing him with Tavares and Nylander on that line makes so much sense to me because he can really just basically be there. I love it. He can basically be there. Zach Hyman, what Hyman is Correct. to Garner yeah. and Matthews, where he's just retrieving the puck. He's setting them up. They're both, I know Tavares is having a bit of a down shooting season, but they're both historically pretty well above average finishers. And so the idea of just affording them extra offensive zone possessions through his hard work seems like a no brainer to me, not to mention that, He's historically a guy who draws a ton of penalties as well and the least of a top five power play. And so I just like, it just seems like a no brainer if they could work, make it work with a three team trade where there's multiple retentions there, as you alluded to Durant's. Um, I think that is the, the big move that they need to make to really go all in. And I think they should be going all in because this is a unique year where they don't have, they have to play to anyone. The final. They don't have to play <laughs> yeah, anyone right. who's like legitimately daunting until the final four, right? And and who knows if they're ever going to get that chance again? And so, I just think it's a no brainer, and I have no time for the arguments that Taylor Hall can't contribute to a winning team because we just haven't seen him in a situation where he's been allowed to do so. And I think he's been horribly miscast. And so, uh, I think that is the right fit for him. So I like the, uh, yeah, the him. Him is the bird dog for for Tavares and Nylander, like. Let's go. I was thinking more, you, you put him in the Hyman spot and then you bump Hyman down to do the same thing, but it already works with Hyman, Marner and Matthews. So why fuck with, or, yeah, you can swear. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Well uh-huh. then why fuck with that? I, I, the, the reason to, the reason to fuck with it is that um, I think Tavares, like Tavares is at his best with a guy who soaks up a lot of space and is maybe a little less reliant on foot speed than Hall is. So I just think he's a better fit for Hyman as like a Anders Lee proxy than he is for Taylor Hall. Like 
Sure. I, I just I feel like you're going to see a lot of Tavares as the trailer behind Nylander and Hall if that's your the look of your line. Whereas if you put two assertive two way guys like Hall and Matthews together, like can you imagine teams trying to break out against the Maple Leafs top line if you've got yeah. Hall and Matthews on the ice at the same time? Like just an enormously disruptive. Be like a an elite NFL pass rush or something. Like it'd be fun to watch. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams in on Hall, so I'm curious to see what happens. I think the Leafs are the best one. Uh, I agree with you. The blues would just be just very sad. Brutal. I really hope oh, that doesn't happen. Like they 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 are horrific at attacking off the rush. So I get the perspective of adding some team speed, but they have so many issues that I just I just don't think that really moves the needle. Yeah, um, I, I, so I can't remember. Somebody uh, today was talking about like if they just went five hundred because the, that's the other thing with St. Louis is their entire rest of their schedule is just Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, repeat. Um, and so if they like. Even if they won like sixty percent of their games, they'd still only have like a forty-five percent chance to make the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, well, forget it then. Yeah. All right. So we're in agreement on Hall there. Um, Grants, give me a give me another trade. I've got, I've got you. I've got a big sexy one for you guys. Ready? <laughs> a, bi- a big sexy hook you're gonna love. And it um, involves Mike Hoffman. <laughs> uh, the Boston Bruins. Yep. Trade Jake DeBrusque and a 2021 first round pick to the Anaheim Ducks for Hampus Lindholm. Now, now here's why this one makes sense. Um, the Bruins in acquiring Lindholm moved to a 4-4-1 protection structure for the expansion draft. So you protect Coyle, Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak. And we just stop with the like Bruins need to protect Trent Frederick. BS that you're seeing out of the Boston area. And then they protect Greslick, Carlo, Hampus Lindholm, and Charlie McAvoy. And, and with McAvoy and Lindholm, all of a sudden have the best defense pair in the East. Like, probably, right? Mm. Um, I mean, all of a sudden, you're, you're looking at playing 25 minutes in the playoffs with Bergeron, Marchand, Pasta, McAvoy, Lindholm in front of Rask. Like, come on. Now, all of a sudden, the Bruins are, are a serious team. They're not adding a ton of salary here. Um, you know, you're welcome, Jeremy Jacobs, because Lindholm only is making 3.75 in salary this season. Like it's it's barely a prorated salary ad for the Bruins. And then for the Ducks, it allows them to move into a 7-3-1 protection structure and expansion and mine DeBrusque. Lindholm's a UFA after next season. Uh, at this point, like, are you going to re-sign Hampus Lindholm with where they are at in their development cycle? Like, does that really make sense? Or does it make more sense to, to roll the dice on an undervalued player like DeBrusque at a late first rounder and just sort of keep building? And now, and now you can protect like Troy Terry and, you know, all the other sort of players that the Ducks are, are looking at like being pretty crunched on, which includes like Sam Steele and, you know, uh, who I don't really love, but Max Jones, like the Ducks are going to be exposing a ton of talent up front if they go four four one this allows them to shift to seven three one it's it's a way more efficient route for them and lets them continue building for the future this one needs to happen boys it would just be great i love it grants i had the same trade no went home to boston yeah i did let's go let's go i i didn't i didn't have uh what Boston gave up, Jake DeBrusque is a perfectly good. I, I've said it a million times. I'm, I don't. I don't get the hype with him, other than he scored whatever thirty something goals mm. uh, his rookie year, and because I think he shot somewhere around six hundred percent. So 
Like I, I've never really gotten it with DeBrusque. I think he's, if you're Boston and you're good and you got to give something up, you know, just to get salary out of the way, he's the, he's absolutely the guy that you do that with. Absolutely. I had a good comp. I had someone drop a good DeBrusque comp on me the other day. Uh, someone in the industry dropped, um, uh, Evgeny Dadnov. Like he, he could, he, if he tops out, he could be like Evgeny Dadnov, which is like, like a complimentary top line piece, right? Like a fringe top line piece as DeBrusque's ceiling, if he can sort of yeah, learn that's a, ceiling. a little yeah, absolutely away from the puck. So, yeah, I mean, look, I still like, I still think DeBrusque has some like breakout potential though, if he goes to a team where it's just all opportunity, which it clearly would be for him in Anaheim. Uh, anyway, I like that fit for both clubs. I like DeBrusque better than, than both of you. I do. Um, I had DeBrusque in a second for Vince Dunn. Uh, similar thinking because I think the Bruins are in a very, very weird spot here where they clearly need to improve their roster if they're going to actually contend this season. They kind of have to contend this season because of the respective ages of a lot of their key players, and they don't really have much flexibility to do so. Um, they're a really weird team statistically where they still do a lot of the things really well that they've done that have been their hallmarks over the years. They're a top defensive team. Their special teams is the best in the league pretty much at both ends, and they are a 5-on-5 possession team. Now, offensively, they're 31st in high danger attempts, 29th in expected goals, and 27th in actual goals. And that's because their top line has scored 26 5-on-5 goals combined. Their 10 other regularly used forwards have 24 goals combined, uh, including one from Jake DeBrusque, three from Charlie Coyle, and zero from David Krejci. And I think the issue with just adding a forward, which I've seen a lot of people say, it's like the Bruins need someone who can score goals and help unlock David Krejci. And I get that. And they could certainly use that. I think it's kind of like treating the symptoms and not the cause though, because if you look at who's been playing blue line minutes for them this year, beyond Charlie McElroy, who's had a Norris level season, like Carlo and Grizzly have missed a bunch of time. And otherwise it's been a bunch of veterans who we know we aren't, aren't good or a bunch of young guys who are probably being overstretched at this point of their careers. And so, yep. Adding a Lincoln would be amazing. I kind of targeted Vince Dunn just because it seems like he's on the outs on, on, on the blues and they want to move him. And he adds a bit of that sort of spark element where he could play make and get the puck up more quickly for them. So I think we're on the same page there though, obviously different players, but on the same page in terms of, I think they need to add a good defenseman that can help eat up a bunch of these minutes to help their offense as weird as, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why they're not playing a con more. It's been like one game, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I find that baffling. And uh, also, I have time for Jeremy Lozon. I think Jeremy Lozon's like, yeah, I think he, pretty good. good. He's a good complimentary piece, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the thing, though, with, oh, wow, it's, it's crazy that the David Krejci's not scoring and they and the top line is out. Yeah, this is a, an episode of the PDO cast from 2020. This is an episode <laughs> of the PDO cast from 2019. <laughs> like, you, can, you can just go down the list. This has been the problem in Boston forever. And every time they go out and get a forward, they quickly figure out, well, that, that guy wasn't the one, but the next one will be. And at this point, I, I, I agree. Like, this is the, kind of the thing we saw in the early Connor McDavid days in Edmonton, where it's like, oh, he's doing a lot of it himself. And then he can't do anything else because he has to go get the puck and take it 200 feet because nobody on the blue line is doing that for him. And yeah, I mean, obvious, and especially with Grizzly missing a bunch of time, like that's the big problem in Boston. They have Charlie McAvoy can get the puck out of their zone, and nobody else can. And Hampus Lindholm, well, 
Okay, the, he's good at that. The one year it worked for them was when they got Marcus Johansson and Charlie Coyle. I think that was the year they lost their Blues in the Cup final. Yes. But uh, those were like the two. And then it actually worked. It's like, wow, they have a second line that can score at 5 on 5. Yeah, and, awesome. and why was because they got two guys yeah. and not one. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right, Ryan, next up, what do you got? Um, well, let's go. Uh, let's, on the topic of Vince Dunn, let's go Vince Dunn to Vegas. Mm. Um, their left side stinks. It's, it's bad. Uh, it's, I, I wrote it down. I don't know if this is literally what they're going with right now, but Martinez, McNabb, and Holden is, is what it seems like they're going with on the left side right now. That's not gonna. That's not gonna cut it against Colorado Avalanche. I like Vince Dunn. I think um, he's he's kind of in a situation where uh, it just doesn't really uh, line up with how uh, he's being used and and how the team wants to play or has to play or whatever you want to say. Um, and you know, I, I I think Vegas has some some pretty clear deficiencies in, in various places and. Certainly, like you would say, center depth, but there's no Michael Granlund is the is going to yeah. be a big. They're not going to have their center depth at this, at this deadline. Yeah, so I don't know. Like they need to improve. They're not get. They're not going. They don't need wings. They aren't going to get a center. They have the two best goalies in the league right now, maybe. And uh, well, with all due respect to uh, Hellebuck and Dabrowski, I guess. But then, yeah. Uh, so. They need they need defense. Vince Dunn seems like a guy who they could have for quite a while and and use effectively. Well, and the thing with Vince Dunn is he's really cheap and cost controlled right now, yep. and so that for them financially to make it work, that'd be huge because I think what he would provide to them this season significantly outweighs like how much he'd cost them financially. And there's very few players that they could realistically acquire like that right now. So I like it from that perspective. I, I like that the Vegas Golden Knights get to acquire um, get to acquire Colin Miller 2.0 with yeah. uh, left-handed Colin Miller with uh, like that's no Vince Dunn's be- better than Colin Miller. Yeah, I'm just saying so. it's the same. It's the same. I think so too. To be honest with you, I'm a big Vince Dunn fan, but also it's a guy who we've just never seen play top four. Like we've just never seen him play well, matchup minutes. So he's done all these sexy things, but does it translate against tougher comp? It's just like, it feels like 2016 Colin Miller all over again. And that is a risk you're taking if you're Vegas. Although in Vegas's case, you're just going to play him with white cloud on your third pair anyway. And, and the best part about it from Vegas's perspective is they duck expansion. Like almost no teams yeah. except like Vancouver and Vegas can add Vince Dunn and keep him um, r- away from Seattle, Boston, but Vegas can. Yeah. Well, no, but, but yeah, I guess Boston. Cause you, probably just well, now that they have Lindholm and Mac. Right. Well, uh, and th- that was the other thing I meant to say about uh, Boston and Lindholm too, is like Boston and Anaheim love trading with each other. They're That's like, true. Oh, all your problems. We'll take them. No problem. That's great. <laughs> so uh, I, I, that, that was another reason I like that trade, but um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think Vince Dunn is the kind of player that like Vegas had, can put him in a position where he can grow in a way that now he can't in St. Louis because they don't have that extra top pair guy. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Well, it's actually uh, a good thing in this case. We actually have seen Vince Dunn play top four minutes and it was with Alex Petrangelo as a sheltered pair where they absolutely crushed it. Now they don't have a Colton Pareko to just eat up all of the defensive minutes without the praise. Um, But 
I would be intrigued. And, and I think they would get more out of Petrangelo as well, because I think they've been sort of uh, miscasting him in terms of acquiring him and just expecting him to do everything, which he wasn't really doing towards the end in, in St. Louis. He was being used very effectively to succeed. So um, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, all right. It's my turn here. I've got the abs. I think the abs need to acquire a backup goalie. Um, I know they acquired Jonas Johansson. That's not going to be enough for me. It's working great so far. I mean, <laughs> I think I think people is went, it is went, it Ryan? People went into last he's year. Winning. People yeah, went, well, in, but he's winning, winning behind the abs. Yeah, so I understand. But won, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. He won one of his two games. I don't think we could use that's five hundred, baby. If that's all you're getting out of your backup, I think you're fine. You're not going to play a second in the playoffs either way. I don't think. Well, I mean, after I last year, him, I, yeah, Mike Hutchinson, you know, you've got Grubauer and you've got Francois. They need, a, I'm with Dimitri. They need more goaltending depth just in case. Sure. Well, here's the thing. People went into this year trying to throw cold water on the avalanche and all the hype about them saying their goaltending wasn't reliable. And I think the bubble obviously wasn't an accurate representation because Michael Hutchinson was playing game seven for them in that series against the stars. Grubauer has been excellent this year. I've got him as one of my Vesna finalists. But he's also started 31 of their 38 games because France has been out all year and they haven't had a reliable backup. And Grubauer, I know he's a, an upcoming UFA, so maybe they don't care about uh, overextending him here, but he's also never played as much before. I believe his career high in the NHL is like 45 games or something. He's well on his way to exceeding that before you account for the playoff run. And so just, I think this team is so good that it's kind of reckless to go into the postseason without a viable backup just in case of injury or poor performance because yeah. it's goalies and that happens sometimes. And there's no one that they're going to get that's going to be better than Philip Grubauer. But I feel like someone like a Jonathan Bernier, for example, assuming he's healthy, I know he's been out for a while. Like, yeah, just go just go and get him. Even if he doesn't play a single minute for you in the playoffs, that's good. That, that means things turned out pretty well for you. But I think this team could make a long run even with Jonathan Bernier in it because they have the best defensive metrics in the league and they score a ton of goals. So, I well, meanwhile, I don't think Jonas Johansson and Hunter Miska qualify as being league average or good enough to to win right. uh, behind that team. So that's kind of my logic. I just think it would suck to see them lose in the playoffs again because their goalie got hurt and you really you're like one unfortunate injury away from submarining your entire season. And that, I don't know. That makes me uncomfortable for a team that's this good. Yeah, and Bernier is like the the one goalie that's been floated anyway as being available that's actually worth acquiring, right? Like, I I really can't think of another goalie that where it's like, oh yeah, he'll definitely be available. Well, um, I've yet to hear a logical argument for why the Panthers would trade Chris Drieger right now. Yes, right. Like he's obviously not going to be there long term. But he's their best goalie right now, and they're a pretty good team. Like, if they have to play Tampa Bay or Carolina in round one, that's going to suck, obviously. But they're still a good competitive team that hasn't won a playoff series since 1996. So I think just they're not going to get a premium asset back in return for a 27-year-old UFA who has like 30 career games. So just treat Drieger as your own rental and just have him be your number one goalie or 1A, 1B with Bobrovsky for the rest of the season and just lose him in free agency. That's fine. Like, I... I What's the point of trading him to Colorado for like a third round pick? It just makes no sense to me. Uh, I've, I've got a very similar trade, by the way. Um, I, I have for Scott Wedgwood. Scott Wedgwood for me is like the sleeper third goalie. I had it as a conditional fifth. It can become a fourth if um, Wedgwood plays like four games in the Avalanche make the conference final. So that was my, that was my sort of uh, rendition 
on a similar theme. But I agree with you. I think the Avs need additional goaltending depth. Grubauer's got dur- durability concerns. We don't know what's up with Franco's. To to have this team end up playing a playoff game in front of Johansson would be catastrophic. Yeah, malpractice. Yeah, so for sure. I like um, I like Riddick there actually more than Rodrigue, but it's fine. Yeah, but Riddick. Um, uh, I don't think anyone trusts Riddick right now. I think he's a good reclamate. I think. Well, Riddick he's no Scott sense. Wedgwood. <laughs> oh, no, but but Riddick. Um, I, I think there's been concerns that Riddick didn't show up to camp in shape. Like I think Riddick's more like uh, you take a gamble on on him in the off season and try and rebuild him sure. and believe in that as opposed to a deadline guy who at least makes you not lose sleep if you're starting him the next day in a playoff game. You know what I mean? Like R- Wedgwood's kind of. Well, you still lose sleep. It's Wedgwood. Um, I showed up to this podcast out of shape, so it's fine. I'm not going to beat up the <laughs> Hear me out. I, Big save, Dave. Ah, I screwed it up. Never mind. We're 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 bailing on that bit. <laughs> um, I, I we've gone this long, and I haven't pitched a Vancouver Canucks trade, so I should do so. Okay. Um, I I mean, I think they're going to re-sign Tanner Pearson, which is an error. But this is what uh, this is what I think they should be looking at in terms of a Pearson deal, and this is a three-team trade going through Stevie's laundromat again. So from Vancouver, Tanner Pearson at 50% retained. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, as we discussed, the Maple Leafs need left-wing depth. A 2022 fourth-round pick, a 2022 fifth-round pick, Timothy Lilligren and Timothy Lilligren. From from Detroit, 50% retained on Pearson and Taro Heroes. So Vancouver gets a 2022 fourth, Timothy Lilligren, and Taro Heroes, they just need bodies at this point if they're going to have to finish the season when the majority of their team has been COVID positive. So I just like the inclusion of an additional body who can play games for you and who you're not going to be too worried about. Um, to the Maple Leafs, Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson comes out of this trade with a 938K cap hit. So this does not preclude them from then going out and also getting Hall or doing something sexier. This is like, let's go. You're, you're, you're now looking at like Kerfoot, Thornton Pearson on your third line and um, and then Detroit gets a 2022 fifth round pick for their trouble so that's my uh, that's my what the Canucks should be looking for is like a mid-round pick Timothy Lilligren who like immediately plays top four minutes for them and you know just a live body up front they they get off Tanner Pearson and and Toronto adds like uh, him like 120k above the veteran minimum I mean this is a win-win-win yeah and Jim oh, Benning watches some Leafs playoff games, falls in love with Tanner Pearson, and throws a bunch of money six at him. Years, six million dollars. <laughs> but that's fine because you've added a good defenseman and a fourth. Like, whatever. If you're going to overpay the guy anyway, do it after you've monetized him. To be fuck. Cl- I want the one takeaway from this podcast to be Dran says six by six Tanner Pearson. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> at least get Lilligren for it. Come on. All right. Come I, on. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, RL, do you got uh, do you have any more trades? I have like one or two uh, more, but I'll let you go. I have two more okay. on my board here. Um, one of them, I think I think this is just kind of everybody's saying that this should happen, but I wrote it down anyway. Uh Eckholm to Winnipeg. Mm. I would, you know, uh I would just like to see what if the Winnipeg's uh, second best left defenseman wasn't Derek Forbork anymore, you know? What's that world look like? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a little bit, a little bit less like the Hellebuck show, right? Like yeah. that's, yeah. They that's, need, they and that's the thing. Them. They, th- everybody's saying, 
Oh yeah, they're they're looking to make a, a big splash here, or as big as they reasonably can, given the constraints of the situation and blah blah blah. Um, and it's like this is the only one that may like maybe maybe you say David Savard, but like I you know, Eckholm's the Eckholm's the prize here, and and the question I guess becomes whether uh, Nashville decides they want to sell after this heater they've been on for the last little while, um, but. If, it, if if they make the right decision and they do just start selling despite everything that's happened the last few weeks, like at home to Winnipeg is one perfect sense. On yeah. I was going to say just because they're back in that playoff spot now that Saros is playing really well and Ekholm has been playing huge minutes. He played like 28 minutes for something or something the other night for them. And he's been playing well. And the reported offer or ask was like high Nola and a first and another asset. And, and I think that's too much just because I don't think Ekholm necessarily, uh, it warrants it for a, for a team that's kind of at their arc that the Jets are right now. But I think they do need to add someone. I mean, like they're like hard matching Neil Pionk and Derek Forbord against McDavid in that's these right, games. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, regardless of what Paul Maurice is going to try to sell you, like this is a bad defensive team and they get by because they have a top three goalie in the world, maybe a top two goalie in the world. And once again, he's up there. I think he's third in goal save above expected, but all their defensive metrics suck. And, and even if their internal stuff is different than the public metrics we have, I find it hard to believe that any of it paints them in a light where all of a sudden they're a good or even respectable defensive team. Uh, Drance, I know you are are quite down on this Winnipeg team. I kind of, I am. I, I, I waffle on them because I, I, there's obviously red flags and I think we can't dismiss them. And I don't think they're very good, but their formula of, a ridiculously good goalie, a top five power play and opportunistic scoring off the rush in a long sample. That'll come back to bite you. Unfortunately, the playoffs are not a long sample. So it's very easy to see a scenario where a team with that recipe gets hot and wins games. They shouldn't. And so like, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence here in terms of like embracing the possibilities for the jets. Uh, and obviously adding a guy like echo would certainly help a lot in terms of the defensive metrics. So they're, they're playing the Oilers. They're playing the Oilers in the first round, dry settle McDavid overpower them for sure. And Edmonton's got a mobile enough defensive group that they can keep up with them. Right. Like that. I mean, that's a really bad matchup for Winnipeg from my perspective. It'll have to be the Hellebuck show if they're going to win, but, you're, but it's going to be, unless Con- they upgrade their defense. It's going to be Connor Hellebuck versus Mike Smith. Yeah, but right. that, is, that is the but the but the thing is is the the small sample thing goes either way. Like obviously you'd rather bet on Hellebuck, but I'd rather bet on Hellebuck over twenty. I, I don't know that that matters when I just think like I think the Oilers are rock to the Winnipeg Jets' scissors. You know? Yeah, I um, I, I don't think anybody's saying I, that uh, that they're just going to be able to lock down either of the top two line, like even if they get, get away with locking down one of them, well, Le- okay, here comes Leon Dreisaitl. He won right. the MVP last year. He had 140 points or whatever it was. So yeah, that's uh that, that's a tough sell. Um, I love their third line. I love cop Lowry Appleton. That's like plug it into my veins. Um, I just, that defense core, if they look, if they had another top four defenseman, I'll probably change my tune a little bit on on the Jets, but I think that's I, I also think that second line is softer than people realize. Like Dubois, Wheeler, I um, agree. You know that's that uh, that's not scaring me. Not not nearly the same way that um, or sorry, it's Shifley Wheeler. Um, but the but the obviously the Ehlers Connor line is is sick. Yeah, uh, I, I like David Savard there for a significantly smaller price. 
you can read my take on that on EP Ringside. That's, that's what we call a wow. plug. Um, I've got a David Savard trade. All right, let's give me one. I'm sending him to the Panthers for Sarah Knoll and a 2022 third round pick. Ekblad replacement, basically. Uh, obviously, familiarity there with Zito. I think that one makes sense. And I've got another Panthers one, um, which is a, another Vancouver Canucks one, too. This is a Panthers Canucks trade. So uh, without me involved, uh, Maxim Mammon to the Canucks for a 2022 conditional seventh round pick can become a fourth round pick if Mammon signs in Vancouver and a third round pick if he plays 40 games next year. Mammon is good, man. Mammon is like a play driving, tough as nails winger who has no end product, but like he's a perfect fourth line wing, especially for a team like Vancouver. And then he's a Russian speaker to play with Pod Colson. They basically do like a Russian Bash Brothers thing on their fourth line next year. And you can have him for the low, low cost of a conditional seventh. Like what? Tell me I'm wrong. Like what? what you, only got why six would trades you, you, you only got six trades on this and you're like, okay. It's Malman for a conditional seventh. <laughs> I'm 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 so dedicated to this. Like, who says no? Who says Max, no? <laughs> go go check out go check out Maxim Mammon is like a, a like look. You don't want him playing up your lineup, but he's like a play driving fourth line winger who's six foot three, two hundred thirty pounds, can boy, fight yeah. like he's like an old school prick player yeah, look- and. And like, and he's, and he scored in the K this year. He had 45 points in the K this year. Like this guy is not going to, you, you're not getting him for his scoring, but it's like, this is the perfect low cost. All it's going to cost is a one way deal. Six, three. Six, three and cut. Like, fuck, go get this guy. Someone needs to go get this guy. One thing I will say about the Jim Benning era in Vancouver is they have not traded enough draft picks away for players who aren't any good. We're hearing it more and more. <laughs> more and more and more people are saying this. Jan just left speechless. I love it. Um, I will say I, I like the uh, Savard to the Panthers trade. And I think if people are paying attention in Elliot Freeman's most recent 31 thoughts, just hear like a one line sentence that was like, I wouldn't be surprised if the lightning are in on David Savard. And like literally yeah. every other GM should be like, oh God, we need to jump in here before they get him for like a sixth. <laughs> So uh, I will say that. Um, what, what should the Oilers do? We haven't really talked about that much beyond my uh, Luke Lindenning joke, but I do feel like it's kind of disappointing for them to just do nothing because McDavid and Dreisaitl are playing at such a high level right now that I'd like to see them get aggressive beyond even any rentals. Like I'd like to see them make a, a future-facing uh, trade in terms of getting someone who they're going to have for beyond the season that's a good player. Um, because they do have a bunch of assets that, that they could trade in terms of uh, non-NHL pieces. But I'm really curious, like, is there anything you see that, that makes sense in terms of an upgrade for them? Um, there were there are a couple guys that where I thought about it and I was like, oh, I, I guess I like this guy maybe a little more on a different team. So I'll, I'll burn one of my other trades. I originally had, and this could be the jumping off point, Ricard Raquel to Carolina. Um, that's that, that I figured that was Terravine insurance. Cause, and right now, without Teravainen in the lineup, they go Natchez, uh, Fogel, Fast, and McGinn down that side, and uh, Raquel helps a lot, I think. Um, and so, I think, uh, you know, I don't think it's telling tales out of school here to say uh, Edmonton needs wing help. Um, so, if you want to say Raquel to, to the Oilers, hey, who am I to stop you? I, I do have an Oilers trade for you. Um, 
I have them trading Caleb Jones, um, Alex Chason, and a 2021 first-round pick to the St. Louis Blues for... Mike Hoffman. He's going to say it. Jaden Schwartz. I like that. Con- yeah. Contingent on Schwartz agreeing to an extension prior to the deal. Um, St. Louis has to retain a little bit to make the money work, but it's not, you know, it's a pins. And um, look, I think Schwartz is the type of player that the Blues probably have to look long and hard about whether or not they're going to resign considering how the season's gone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, like he has a pretty expansive limited no trade. I guarantee you Edmonton is on it, but look, I mean, you get to play with McDavid. Like he's the type of dynamic sort of player though, that I think could really give, give some of that sort of long-term um, additional dynamic depth to the Oilers. And I just think it's a crazy, crazy good fit potentially. Like, can you imagine uh, Schwartz's just like all around intelligence playing with Dreisaitl? Like, man, that, that to me just seems like such a match made in heaven, hockey heaven anyway. Uh, if not lifestyle heaven in Edmonton, but um, yeah, that would be though. That would be that was the Edmonton trade that I was sort of looking at as something that I would consider. Um, oh, did I? I included Caleb Jones in there, right? Yeah, yeah Caleb did, Jones. Yeah. I think is they're going to they're, they're going to lose a, a defenseman in the expansion draft. Yeah, like it, that's just how it's going to go. And St. Louis isn't super well positioned to protect him either. Well, after they lose Vince, Vince Dunn and any other number of trades that we've already proposed here, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's right. uh, so I'm, I mean. You know, I, I just think that makes sense. Caleb Jones also is better than he's shown this season in Edmonton. Like he's been underutilized there. So I yeah. think that one makes sense. I, I also like I also like your your Schwartz trade there because uh you put him on the opposite wing of Puyarvi and it's like, let's go, fellas. We're loading up the bus here. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Raquel or Schwartz or I'd even say like Philip Forsberg if you want to get crazy or trying to steal Sam Reinhardt from the Sabres. Like I, I want to see the Oilers link to more aggressive big picture trades as opposed to like yes. fourth line guy who's going to win face-offs. I really just, I understand like Ottawa media has like galaxy brain full time and they can't help themselves, but like, come on, like let's, you see the Leafs linked to all these guys. It's like, Oh, they're, they're considering Philip Forsberg. It's like, how are, what, what? like, why are the Oilers not in on this? Why is this not a thing? And, and it needs to be because I'd love to see them add another legitimately good top six player. The um, Edmonton Oilers couldn't possibly lose a trade involving a Reinhardt. So I, I'm all aboard <laughs> the Sam train. Let's go. <laughs> nice one. Um, all right. Let's, uh, I think that's it. Did, you, did we get to all of them? I don't have anything left. So I, I have one. I have one more, but it's pie in the sky. It's for John Gibson to end up on the Leafs. Um, okay, we're not, no, I'm not even, I'm not, we're not even indulging that one. I, 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 I also had one more, and it's Bobby Ryan to Tampa. I just want to, it seems like. Oh, that's nice. nice. I like that. That'd be I'm, nice, I'm, right? I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard a Bobby Ryan, Pat Maroon, and Kucherov double shifting fourth line. Like, Let's sign go. me up for that. Yeah, sign me up for that. I'm, I'm on board with that. All right. So, Maxim Mammon for a seven. Conditional. I'm just, I'm just conditional, trying, I can, oh, conditional, of course. Uh, <laughs> the equivalent of a bag of sticks and pucks. Um, <laughs> it could become a third. <laughs> he, could work his, he could work his way up there. Um, all right, let's plug some stuff. Drance, for more great Max and Mammon comment, content, where can people check you out and uh, where, they, where can they find your work? Oh, all over the place these days. Uh, Theathletic.com, of course. Um, and then the VanCast is my podcast project. I've also 
just agreed to be a contributor with the Sakaris and Price podcast. Make sure to support them, especially if you're a listener in the Vancouver area. Uh, local media needs your support. And also, I'm uh, contributing at 650, Sportsnet 650 these days. So um, good luck avoiding me if you're in Vancouver, unfortunately. You're a busy guy. Lambert, are you writing at yeah. any uh, enterprising sites? Oh, I'm trying to think. I feel like there is one. Oh, it's uh, it's called uh, eprinkside.com. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. Uh, it's me. It's Dimitri. It's uh, Jay Fresh. It, I, you know, I can just pull up our Slack and, and start r- rattling down the list here. Uh, it's JD Burke. It, you know, on and on and on. There, yeah. those are uh, David San Louis and I, I, you Brown, know, I'm, Rachel Dory. Yeah, I'm just scrolling up, and yeah. these are the people who did the most recent chatting. So. Uh, yeah, we we have an I would say stunningly good uh, collection of writers over there, and everybody's turning out a lot of content, honestly. So, uh, yeah, check it out, and uh, that, that's and then of course there's the Puck Soup podcast, which I have mentioned multiple times on this episode already. I think your opinion on whether you should listen is probably formed by now, um, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I would encourage you to check it out because I think I uh, say smart stuff on there. Nice. As, as an nice. EP Ringside subscriber, by the way, I just want to add you got you gentlemen are doing great work. I get full value for my subscription, so I just want to shout out, amplify Ryan's plug. And if people want to join Dranson and join the EP Ringside product, they can use promo code I Love EP to get two free months on an annual subscription. So please check that out and support our work. And uh, fellows, this was a blast. I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, hopefully, people enjoyed the. Uh, the reasonable and unreasonable trade takes we had here. And uh, hopefully it's a fun trade headline and, and you guys enjoy it. And uh, we'll have you both back on sometime down the road. Great. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. The Hockey Pediocast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey pediocast.